Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you have joined us today as we're going to begin a brand new teaching series called Grateful for God's Goodness. And in just a few moments, we're going to begin this series with a teaching called God's Goodness is Always With Me. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we do anything, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you will come to a place where you realize God's goodness in your life. A place where you realize His goodness is always with you in your life. And so let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, I just pray that you will bless each person who is here with us online. I pray that your goodness will cover them. I pray that they will come to a place where everywhere they look, they see your goodness at work in their life. And God, I just pray your blessing on each one. Pray, God, that today as we get into your word, that you will open our hearts, open our minds to the truth of your word, help us to understand it, help us to experience you teaching us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Well, like I said, I want to kick this series off with a teaching called God's Goodness is Always With Me. Uh, I, I recently came across a story about a first grade teacher that had all the kids in their class come up and talk about up front what they wanted to be when they grew up. And, and one of the kids got up and he starts to say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a lion tamer. <laughs> and, and he said, I, 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 I'm going to walk into that cage and the lions are all going to roar. Then he stopped and he thought a moment about how scary that might be. And he said, but it'll be okay because my mommy will be with me. <laughs> well, sometimes things are better when the right person is with you. Sometimes life is better. Situations are better when the right person is with you. And today we're talking about how God is always with us, whether it's in a lion's cage or whether it's in the office at a tough meeting. God is always with you. David would say this, God, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. In Psalm 23, verse 6, that's what he says. And, and he's saying, listen, every day, Every day of my life, God's goodness and his mercy are with me. And that's what we're going to dive into today. That God's goodness and mercy are with us no matter what. And so no matter what's happening in life, no matter what uh, struggles there are, no matter how good things are, no matter what, highs, lows, God's goodness and mercy are always with me. And I, I want to share with you today two big truths about God's mercy being and goodness being with us that this verse shares. And the big one, the first big one is this, and I've already even said it, that God's goodness is with me every day. Did you know that God is a very, very, very good God? God God is a good God. He wants good for you. He wants you to experience his goodness in your life. And God is his goodness is with you every day. Every day he's with you. Every day he's watching over you. God God is paying attention to every moment of your life, every thought you have, every experience you go through. Nothing in your life is too big or too small that God doesn't see that. And some, sometimes we might get tempted to think, well, God's not interested in little old me. I mean, what am I? Just one of like seven billion people on the planet? And 
we, we lose sight or lose track of the idea of how big God is. God is big enough. He, he created all things that there are, and the Bible tells us that he sustains all things that there are, whether it's sustaining molecules, keeping them together, or sustaining the universe, making sure the earth is rotating exactly where it needs to be and going around the sun exactly where it needs to be. God, God is sustaining all things, and he's so big. And he created all the stars. He created the, everything there is. And he's so big that he's able to watch over every moment of every life on this planet, including yours. And he's so interested in you. He's watching over you and he is loving you and he is caring about you. In Psalm chapter 145, verse 20, it says this, The Lord watches over all who love him. And when you love him, he is just watching over you. His goodness, David says, is always with me all the days of my life. God's goodness is always paying attention to you. There's not a little moment of your life where God isn't watching you. He created you to love you. And because he loves you and because he's a good God, he pays complete attention to you as well as all the people of the world all at the same time. And he knows everything about every moment of your life. He knows when you're dealing with things like heartbreak. He knows when you're dealing with things like heartache. He knows when you're dealing with things like heartburn. I mean, he, 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 he knows everything about you. He knows your high moments. He knows your low moments. He knows your ups and your down moments. He knows, and he's watching over you right now in this moment. His goodness is watching over you. In fact, uh, God knows you better than you know you. He knows more about you, more of the details of your life, more of the details of your health, more of the details of your body and your story. He, he says, it says in Scripture, he knows how many hairs are in our heads, that he was there when we were formed, that he knows the days of our life, what, the ones to come and the ones that we've lived, and he knows the deepest thoughts of our heart before we we even know them. He knows everything about you. He's so interested in you. Why? Well, because he's a good God. And he wants to be good to you. And he's watching over you all the days of your life. Every day. Every day he's watching over you. And not only is he watching over you, but he's protecting you. You and I are protected from all kinds of things that, that most of the things we're protected from, we, we will never even know about. We probably will have missed. He, he's protected you from troubles that you might have had, from struggles you might have had, from problems you might have had, from hurts that might have been inflicted on you. He's been protecting you. He's protected you from decisions that you might have made, and, and God has stopped <laughs> some of the consequences of some of the choices that that you might have made and and we will never know probably how much God has been protecting us and watching over us all the days of our life until that day we're in heaven and we can see the behind the scenes of our story the the spiritual side of our story one of the ways that the bible describes he protects us is he well he sends heavenly hosts to help us. But one of the things God says in his word is that he has uh, angels that, that he sends to protect us and to, to help us. Well, we need to talk just for a moment about what's an angel. 
There's lots of myths out there about angels. There's lots of confusion about there about angels. Our culture has all kinds of silly stories about angels. And the Bible does tell us about angels, but it doesn't tell us everything about angels. It does tell us some important things, though. Uh, angels, by the way, are a separate spiritual creation of God. Angels aren't people who died and then got wings. Your grandma is not an angel. Your grandpa is not an angel. Uh, there is no there is no human who becomes an angel and gets wings. That, that, that's a myth. That's a cultural story that we have. The Bible teaches that angels are separate. You and I, when we die, we go to, it says in scripture that we go and we, we stand before God in judgment, either judgment where we are are, uh, are judged because of what we've done and the sin in our life, or we're judged forgiven because we put our faith in Christ and all the sin in our life has been already paid for. And after that, God gives us a resurrection. God gives us a new body, and we are still humans, and we are still people, but we are people in a, in a heavenly new heaven and new earth, and and there are still angels that are different than us. The Bible describes how one day, because of our faith in Christ and because we walked with Christ, even though right now we are a little lower than angels, the day is coming where we will be actually above the angels and judging them. And so angels are a separate creation of God. Well, what were they created to do? We're, we're not told the whole story about the creation of angels and what angels are all about. But what we are told is that angels are messengers that God uses to send messages and to do his work. We're, we're told that angels make up the armies of God. We're told that angels are... Uh, are are interacting and and they're doing the work of God. We see God using angels to to further His purposes. At least in our world, they're working for Him. And one of the things that God says that He will use angels to do is to protect and to minister to His people. Even Jesus, when Jesus was tempted in the desert by the devil, he had fasted and prayed for 40 days. He went through temptation. He was exhausted. It talks about how he was, he, he was ministered to by an angel. And all throughout our entire Christian lives, we realize uh, that we might never come in contact knowingly with an angel, but God has been sending his angels to watch over us, protect us, and care for us. Uh, now, I'll be honest with you, most of us will live our whole Christian life and never never know or, or see or, or, or experience knowingly an angel. Uh, but the Bible will talk about how sometimes we might, well, unknowingly interact with one. Now, I've never seen one. I've never talked with one that I know of, uh, except for my wife, <laughs> Carrie. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, she has been good to me. But even, even she is not actually an angel, uh, although she's angel-like, because they're separate creation of God. But did you know the Bible describes how God sends his angels to watch over those who love him and those who walk with him? It says this in Psalm 91:11, For God will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. And this is one of those verses where we get the idea of a guardian angel. Now, I, I, I can't tell you that I necessarily think that all of us have a guardian angel who goes with us everywhere we go. Uh, but I can tell you, I believe this verse where God does send his angels to 
protect us uh, as we live out our life, as we as we go through our Christian life, as we go through things and experience things. God God will be at work, and we might never know where He's at work or how He's protecting us. And sometimes we might look back and we might say, "Wow, I, I think God was there in that story." One woman, Kim Huffman, tells a story about how. Uh, during World War II, or after World War II was over, uh, her father uh, and thousands of others, after they were discharged from uh, the service, could be seen on the highways hitchhiking as they were trying to find their way back to their families. Most of the time they were still in their uniforms. And, and her father uh, had the chance to <coughs> to see his family uh, once again, but his uh, his his connection with his family was uh, kind of overshadowed because his mom was sick. Now, there was a problem with her kidneys, and the doctor told him that she needed a blood transfusion immediately, or she wasn't going to make it even through the night. And this this woman, as she's telling the story, says grandmother's blood type was AB negative, a very rare blood type. And, and in those days, there were no blood banks like there are today. And no one in the family had that blood type either. And the hospital hadn't been able to find anyone with that rare blood type. Uh, realizing that grandma only had a few hours to live, her, her dad rushed home took a shower, changed clothes, and then returned to say his last goodbyes. While driving home, he passed a soldier that was hitchhiking. At first, uh, he wasn't going to stop, but then something really compelled him to pull over. He stopped. The soldier got in, and the trip continued in silence. Uh, Dad was in deep grief, she said. But the soldier realized something was wrong when he saw tears rolling down uh, her father's cheeks and he asked what was the matter uh, her father told him that grandma was about to die because the hospital couldn't find anyone with an ab negative blood type her father explained that he was heading home to change clothes and going back to the hospital for her final hours now the hitchhiker <laughs> the hitchhiker pulled something out of his pocket and when the her father saw that what he was holding it was dog tags and the soldier showed the dog tags and the dog tag said that he had a b negative type blood the soldier told my father to turn the car around and head back to the hospital and that blood from that soldier saved grandma's life she ended up living 47 more years but somehow in all the excitement that soldier just slipped out of the hospital without any further word and to this day uh, her family doesn't know who that soldier was and my father she said often wondered if that soldier was really an angel in disguise all that all, all that uh, all that they know is that god was surely at work one way or another he was the one who provided the blood that saved grandma that day and, and the Bible does say this about <coughs> angels in Hebrews 13, 2. It says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have entertained, uh, who have done this, have entertained angels without even realizing it. And what it does tell us is that God in his goodness is with us every day. That God in his goodness is protecting us every day. And that God in his goodness will send angels to protect us. And King David said, God, your goodness and your mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. But what he didn't say, by the way, is that, well, bad things, disappointing things, hard things won't happen in my life. Because they will. An angel protecting us doesn't mean they're going to protect us from every bad thing, from every hurtful thing that may or may not happen. Most of what they protect us from, we'll probably never know about this side of heaven. Uh, David even had bad things in his life happen. Sometimes those bad things were disappointing things. They were difficult things. Sometimes they were even wicked things or evil things that, that were happening in his life. 
It, it doesn't mean only good things are going to happen in life. What it does mean, though, is that God is going to make sure that that good comes even from the bad in our life. That good will come even from the hard stuff. Surely, God, your goodness will follow me means that even when bad happens, God can bring good from it. We can't control a lot of what happens in our life, but we can be sure of this, that Jesus, the Lord of our life, is our God who will bring good even out of bad. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches in his very famous line in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purposes for them. Now, by the way, that verse is often misquoted. He doesn't say everything that happens is good. <laughs> he doesn't say that. And he doesn't say that everything will work out for the good. He doesn't say that either. And he doesn't say everything will work out for the good of everyone. He doesn't say that either. In fact, it, what he says is that it's going to work out for the good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purposes. And, and I think what the Apostle Paul is saying there is that if you're living the opposite of the life God has called you to live. If you're living a life where you're not pursuing the love of God, trying to know the love of God, trying to practice loving God, if you're not living that life, then it's not all going to work out for the good. And if you're marginalizing God's calling on your life, if you're running from his calling, straying from his calling, or, or turning from his calling, or ignoring his calling on your life. It's not all going to work out for the good. But for those who love God, who are trying their hardest to love God, to walk with God, to live in his love, who are trying to live their life God's way, with God's purposes, and they're trying to live out God's calling on their life. He says, if you really want my will in your life, if you really want to take a hold of my promises in your life, I promise you, my goodness will always be with you all the days of your life. And even in the bad stuff, I'll bring good from it. Even in the tough stuff of your life, even in the harsh moments of your life, I'll bring good from it. And if you're like me, you have a hard time seeing the good when things are bad. Right in that moment when things are bad, it's hard to see how, how there's good. Can I tell you about a time where I was a bad dad? Years ago, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I could think of a bad dad moment from like last week, but uh, but a time where it was really hard for me. Years ago, after my daughter was born, months later, we moved here to Oregon, and not long after that, uh, we were thinking about whether or not we, we could we should have another child. Our first child, I, I just didn't know how I could love any other child as much as I loved her. And I didn't know if I had room in my heart for another child. I, I didn't know if we could afford another child. And uh, in in the debate, things happened and we were pregnant again. And uh, I was angry. I was angry that we were going to have another child. I was angry because I still hadn't answered the questions in my heart. I was angry and, and resentful. I was angry at myself for letting it happen. I was angry at my wife for letting it happen. And I was mad that we were going to have another child. 
Uh, and God was God was really working on my heart. And in that time of being upset, I I, I was slowly coming around to where I was starting to realize this is happening and I need to be happy and I need to change my heart. And in that process, we lost that child. Uh, we lost that child and I thought, you know, it's all my fault. I, I didn't love that child from the beginning. And uh, it's all my fault that uh, maybe maybe this child was being spared having a bad dad, and I went through all kinds of guilt and remorse, and and uh, it, and it took a while to go through losing a child um, before they were born. But in that moment, I, I couldn't tell you, hey, this is good. In that moment, I couldn't tell you what what good was going to come from it. But looking back, I can look back and I can say, you know what? God used that hard time, that bad time to bring about good things. Now, I, I do not believe that God caused us to have, uh, have a situation where we lost that child. I believe that happened because we live in a broken world where broken things happen and, and things don't always work out right. But I believe God used that time to teach us, to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Uh, out of the woodwork came all kinds of people that encouraged us, said, hey, we've been there before. We've gone through that. We did that. And, and to use us because now we can help other people in a crisis like that. And we can comfort other people who go through that same circumstance. And God used that not only to do that, but to change my heart. That, that when our next child came, <laughs> I was not going to go through it that way again. I was going to love my kids no matter what. And and uh, the next child came and, and I started praying that God would give us twins. I don't know if my wife agreed with that prayer and it didn't happen. And and then the next child came and I prayed again that we would have twins. That, and I was going to love these kids. I was going to want these kids. I was going to be excited to have kids. And uh, God, God changed me and my heart. And I'd look at a story like that, an experience like that, and I would say, you know what? We don't always see how God's going to bring good out of this bad, but God will. God does. Absolutely, God can bring good from anything we go through. And the encouragement uh, that comes from knowing that God is a good God He's so good that he'll bring good out of my bad. He's so good that he watches over me all the time. He's so good that he protects me. Even when I don't know he's doing it, he's protecting me and, and watching out for me and sending his angels to, to well, to go with me and, and be there for me. God says, my goodness is so good that I'm going to be with you every day of your life. My goodness is going to go with you every day of your life. My goodness is going to be there every day. Every day no matter what happens, whether you're in a lion cage, whether you're at the <laughs> at the at the hardest moment of your life, whether you're at the greatest moment of your life, God's goodness is with you. And so you can say as you go throughout your day, God, your goodness is with me. God, will you help me to see where? Will you help me to see where your goodness is? And, and, and big truth number two is this, that God's mercy is with me every day. David says, God, your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's mercy is working inside of me every day. Now the word mercy that he uses here is a word that means a loyal love. God, you have this loyal love for me and, and, and it's so loyal to me and I realize that I don't always deserve your loyal love. And when David uses this word mercy here, he's using a word that carries with it God's loving kindness, God's loving faithfulness, his loving loyalty to his 
promises to us. It's a word that talks about how God has this unchanging, unfailing love for us. And he has this love for you. And that love for you goes with you every day. And it's loyal to you. It's faithful to you. It's unchanging towards you. And it will never fail you. And you know how God shows you this unchanging love, this loyal love? Well, he shows it to us with a word called grace. Grace. He shows us his mercy by giving us grace every day. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 10, God says this, I will now have mercy on you through my grace. Now, grace is a word that we use a lot around the church. Uh, Grace is a word that we sort of become familiar with around the church, but we don't always really think about what the word actually means. And let me tell you, God's mercy comes through his grace. And here's what grace means. Probably my favorite definition of the word grace came from a Romans class I took in at Ozark Christian College with Terry Cheney, who is our Romans professor. I took a summer class with him. We went through the book of Romans and man, I learned a ton from him. He was one of my favorite professors there. He was a hard professor, but I've always been a person that learned best from tough teachers and tough leaders. And so uh, he said this, that grace is a gift bestowed when wrath is owed. Grace is when God gives us a gift when what we deserved was his wrath. It's a gift bestowed when wrath is owed. I came across a story that one preacher tells to describe how grace looks. And he kind of has to imagine a scenario he says, now imagine a scenario where, where a husband dropped his wife off at the beauty parlor and was supposed to pick her up at 2.30. And while he's waiting for her at the beauty parlor, he goes over to the sporting goods store. Here he'd head over to Cabela's. And he's there at Cabela's. He's looking at all the fishing gear. He's looking at all the hunting gear, the camping gear, the optics, the the boating stuff. And he's looking at everything, just really enjoying himself, thinking about what he might get or daydreaming about how he might use everything that's there. And he just gets so engrossed staying there that, uh, well, he realizes... Uh Uh-oh, he's been there too long. He looks at his phone and realizes it is long past 2.30. He's supposed to pick her up at 2.30, but it's 4 o'clock. Oh, man, he freaks out. He calls the beauty parlor to find out if she's still there. Oh, no, she left a long time ago, they said. And he starts to freak out. Uh Uh-oh, where is she? He realizes that... Not only has she gone and gotten dialed up and then had to leave and find a way home on her own, but it is pouring rain out. And so he calls home and his son answers. He said, Dad, you better not come home. Mom is pretty upset. She's here. She walked home in the rain. And you know, Dad, when she came in, uh, she... She looked a lot like a dog does when it's been out in the rain all day. Uh, She's pretty miffed at you. And then you realize that not only did you leave her to walk home, but her mom and dad are coming over for dinner and you're going to be late. Oh, no. You jump in the car and you you hurry home. You, You get home and... And you you start practicing how you're going to apologize for this. You knock on the door, you slump your shoulders, and you say, Honey, I'm so sorry. You, You thought about saying things like, 
there was a terrorist attack and I was held hostage for an hour. You thought about saying things like, uh, I hit my head and, and, and I, I passed out and, and I wasn't uh, able to wake up till now. And you thought about saying all these things, but you didn't because, uh, well, you just decided to tell the truth. And so you walk to the door, knock on it, and she answers. You say, honey, I'm so sorry. I forgot. And I made a mistake. And... Uh, and I wasn't paying attention. Where were you? She says, looking at you with daggers. What What was all that about? I had to walk home all those miles with my high heels in the rain. And you just say again, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she says, you know what? Let's just forget about it. Just give me a kiss. Whoa. Now, that's a picture of grace. And I just, I have a couple questions. Husbands, how many of you would love it if your wife responded to your mistakes that way? And wives, how many of you have forgetful husbands like that? <laughs> grace is when a gift is given when it wasn't deserved. And what was deserved was punishment. And, and when it comes to God's grace, God says, my grace will be at work in you every day. What grace means is that God is so good that he gives us gifts that we don't deserve. You and me. We don't deserve all the ways that God is good to us. We, we don't deserve all the things and all the good that God brings into our life. None of us deserve it. We, we deserve, because of our sin and our brokenness and because of our past, is God's punishment, His wrath. But God is so good that He gives us what we don't deserve. Everything that God gives us is a gift from God. He gives us grace. He shows us mercy. He doesn't give me what I deserve. Instead, he gives me gifts on top of gifts. And, and I can think of all the times that I've been wrong, of all the times that I've done wrong, of all the times that I've failed, of all the times that I've sinned, of all the times where I've been selfish or unkind or prideful or overly angry. And I deserve punishment for those times. And if God gave you and me what we really deserve, none of us would even be here. He would just take our life right now. I deserve punishment, but God, instead of punishing me, bestows me with gifts, with grace. Grace, grace is a gift bestowed when wrath is owed. He gives me gifts like forgiveness for my belief in Jesus and his death on the cross for me. He gives me a gift like Freedom from my sin. Freedom from shame. Freedom from the guilt that comes because of all my mistakes. He gives me a gift like new life. And the opportunity to live a new life in a new way. And every day giving me an opportunity to live with a restart. He gives me a gift of His Holy Spirit to help me become a better man and a better follower of Jesus who will produce godly fruit in me help me to become more loving and patient and peaceful and kind and faithful and self-disciplined he gives me gifts like hope of heaven and and a gift of becoming hope of becoming a new creation one day and living in all of eternity with him in heaven David said, God, your goodness and your mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. And God wants to show us mercy through his grace. 
And we all need His mercy and grace because we're all imperfect and we all have sin and we've all made mistakes and we all live in this broken world and we don't always do the right thing and sometimes we don't do what we should do and sometimes we do the wrong thing even when we know it's the wrong thing. And we all need God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Guess what? All the time. Every day we need God's mercy. We need God's grace. Aren't you glad it doesn't say God gives us what we deserve every day and that what we deserve will follow us all the days of our life? That's not Christianity. That's believing in something completely different. People talk about karma, and karma is the idea that God gives us what we deserve every day. Actually, karma is just the idea that the universe or whatever does it <laughs> because God's not involved. But Christianity teaches us that Jesus' goodness and mercy are with us every day. Aren't you glad it doesn't say God's judgment? Aren't you glad it doesn't say uh, God's judgment is with us every day? Uh, aren't you glad... It says, God, your goodness and your mercy are with us every day. Because every day of my life, I need God's goodness and mercy. I need God's grace every day. I, I need it. I need God's grace, not his judgment. I, I, I need God's help, his goodness, not his wrath. And if you're today and if you're here today and you've accepted God's grace in your life, you can take comfort in and know that it says God's goodness and mercy are with you every day. Listen to some of the ways that God shows us his mercy. In Psalm chapter 100 verse 3, it will describe the ways that God shows us mercy he says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Sometimes people say, why do, why do Christians sing at church? Well, it's because we're praising the Lord. We're telling our hearts to praise the Lord. We're, we're telling God we owe him our praise. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals my diseases. He forgives me and he, he heals me. He redeems me from death and, and, he crown, uh, and he crowns me with his love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Other passages of the Bible tell us that every good thing comes from God that happens in my life. He fills my life with, with good things. My youth is renewed. Like the eagles, the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He, he gives me his righteousness in Jesus Christ. He, he reveals his character to Moses and, and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. And I'm so glad he's slow to get angry with us. And filled with his unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Nor remain angry forever. God's not just watching you. Accusing you. And accusing you. And accusing you. No. He's not doing that. Because he's, he's filled with unfailing love and mercy. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He doesn't punish us for all our sins. I'm so glad he doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love. And there's that word for mercy. For his unfailing love towards us, uh, towards those who fear him, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. No one will ever love you like Jesus loves you. No one will ever bring their goodness and mercy to be with you every day like God will. 
No one gives you that mercy and that grace like God does. And because his mercy is following you every day, you can come to him with anything you've ever dealt with at any time. God's always there. He's always listening. I can bring to him any struggle I'm having, any mistake I'm making. I can bring to him any brokenness in my life, any sin that I've committed, any failure. And any time I come to God and ask for his mercy, I will find his mercy. No matter what you're going through or what you've done, you can find his mercy. Some of us need to remember that. That every day, all day long, God's mercy follows me. Today, you can turn to Him and find His mercy. Today, you can turn to Him and find His grace. You can turn to Jesus and He will show you His grace and it will be at work within you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, And when we do, there we will find, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Can I ask you a question? When do you need God's mercy and grace the most? Well, you need it in failure. Isn't that true? We need God's grace and mercy the most when we've failed, and sometimes we fail big. Do you ever have a sin in your life that just seems to be this constant sin, this constant thing you keep coming back to over and over and over again? I think all of us have what I would call our personal struggle. All of us have something that that we just fall into over and over and over and over again. And uh, and when we when we go through moments like that, and when we go through day to day like that we have this propensity towards that sin and we just seem to fall into it and we struggle with it and and we we fight it we ask god to forgive it and then we do it again and and we ask god to forgive it and he says i just forgave you for that one five minutes ago and you bring it to me again at least that's the way we think of it in fact sometimes we we think of the we think of the conversation we might have with God and we think of it like this, that God is like, hey, I've forgiven you 10,000 times already for that sin. Uh, Don't you do anything original anymore, you know? uh, And here you are coming back to me and 10,001 times now I've forgiven you for that sin. And all of us, I think, have that sin in our life somewhere. I have my my faults and flaws and you have your faults and flaws and and every day it seems like we come to God and we ask for his mercy maybe your fault or your flaw has to do with your pride and and it shows itself in various ways and you're always coming to God say God I'm I'm sorry, I've been too proud. Maybe it's selfishness, and that selfishness shows in your decisions and your choices, and you you kind of see yourself doing things. You go, why did I do that? Maybe it's it's bending the truth or outright lying, and you lie to people, and you tell people things that aren't true, and and then you, you go back, you go, why did I do that? God, forgive me. Maybe it's cursing and cussing, and, and it keeps coming out, and you just go, why did I say that or maybe it's unkindness maybe it's unfriendliness maybe it's unforgiveness or selfishness in some way maybe you have an anger problem and your your temper just explodes in moments and uh, you 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 go from zero to a hundred right away there's no in between or maybe you have a different kind of anger problem where you just push it down and you hold on to it and it turns into a scathing anger or a bitterness uh, and and you're angry all the time you go god i got forgive me i got so angry and you're constantly asking god to forgive you for it maybe it's a 
lust issue maybe it's a jealousy issue maybe you have a problem with your mouth and and uh, you have what i would call diarrhea of the mouth <laughs> and you just you, your mouth just starts going you go why did i say that you know you gossip or you slander and uh, and you say the wrong thing at the wrong time and you're always saying god forgive me for what i said and maybe it's uh, a struggle or a battle with sobriety you keep you keep fighting it, but you keep coming back to it, and you just keep saying, God, God, forgive me. And we all have sin in our life. I think that that, that becomes a habit, and we feel guilty for that sin. We feel guilty for coming back to God again and again and again. And sometimes we can get to a place where we think, I'm not even going to go back to God anymore because I'm just, I just keep doing this. And I don't know if God gets tired of me. And if God is tired of hearing from me, I don't know if God's tired of forgiving me. And let me tell you this, you ready? God never gets tired of giving you mercy. Ever. God never gets tired of showering his grace on you. David says, your mercy is with me every day. Every day I need your mercy. Every day I ask for your mercy. Every day you you put your mercy at work within me. And Paul says we can come boldly before God asking for mercy when we need it most. And when we need it most is when we fall. And again, and again, and again, and again, that's where we realize he's a merciful and graceful God. He is a forgiving God. And he wants you to come to him to find his mercy. He wants you to experience him as a compassionate and merciful God. He cares for you. He absolutely loves you. His goodness is watching over you. He's trying to protect you. And, and He's working in your life to, to be there for you and to, to help guide you all the days of your life. And He's given you the free will to experience His goodness and His mercy simply by turning to Him and approaching His throne. In prayer, approaching his throne, saying, God, I need your grace again. And he welcomes you to come and do that. God absolutely always will show you mercy. How do I know that? I know that because God says that is who he is. He is a merciful God. It's, it's part of who he is. In fact, uh, if you go to the Old Testament, they had a verse in their day that was just as popular as like John 3.16 is in our day. Even people who don't know God, don't believe in God, don't, don't know anything about the Bible seem to know John 3.16 because it's tattooed on football players' arms. It's tattooed everywhere uh, it, because it's it's on slogans. It's, it's out there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. You know that verse? Well, in the Old Testament days, there was a verse that was just as popular and just as important. In fact, it is the verse that is quoted the most in the Bible, by the Bible, in the Old Testament. And it's this verse where God introduces himself and tells us about his character, about who he is. Now, when you and I introduce ourselves, we'll probably tell our, tell people things that are important about ourselves. We might say, uh, you know, my name is Sam, and here's what I do for a living, and here's what I do for hobbies, and, and here's a little bit about who I am. And when God introduces himself, he tells us the most important things about himself so that we might hear it. And these verses are the very first time where God introduces his character, describes to us who he is. And he says this in Exodus chapter 34, 
verses 6 to 7, as he passes by and allows Moses to see his shadow, he declares who he is to Moses. It says this in Exodus 34, 6 to 7, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh the Lord. That's his name. And then he says, I am the God of compassion and mercy. Those are the two most important characteristics and traits of God that he wants us to know. The first ones he wants us to hear, that he is a God of compassion and mercy. That's how I know God will always show you mercy. That, and I know that because he says, come to me and I'll show you mercy. I'm the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. And then he's going to talk about how he also brings justice. But before justice comes his compassion and mercy. And anyone who comes to Jesus for compassion and mercy will see the justice for their sin taken to the cross, paid for by the person of Jesus Christ. And all that's left for all the sin of every day of my life is God's compassion and mercy. So you can always come to his compassion and mercy because his mercy is with me as David said, all the days of my life, every day. Every day I can turn to him. God won't get tired of forgiving the same old sin. God won't get tired of giving you mercy. He doesn't get bored with you coming back to him. He doesn't get frustrated with you coming back to him. The only things he gets frustrated with is when we don't. What he, what he hates is when we don't bring to him the things that we need mercy for. But what he loves is when you come to him for his mercy. He came to earth and gave his life on a cross to show us his mercy and grace. That's how important it is to him. And he follows you with his goodness. And he follows you with his mercy all the days of your life. Where's God's goodness in your life? Well, it's with you every day. And because it's with us every day like the kid who was in the imagined being in a cage with roaring lions but his mommy was with him in a fantasy story in a daydreamed made up story here we're talking about a real story of your life where you are in this world and you can be grateful that God and his goodness and mercy are with you every day. Will you join me? And let's just pray together and ask God to help us see his goodness and mercy at work in our lives. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you and some of us come before you and we just need to once again turn to you and say, God, have mercy on me. God, we need your grace. We approach your throne in prayer right now. And we ask for your mercy and grace over our lives. And God, we invite your goodness into our life to be with us all the days of our life, to be with us today, right now, and to be with us tomorrow when we go to work, to be with us all week long. God, I pray that you will help us more and more to see your goodness at work and your mercy at work. And to be filled with gratefulness for what you've done for us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me for today's teaching time. Uh, I just pray that God in his goodness and mercy will be with you every day, especially this week. I want to finish up by declaring it's been a great day together. This is sort of a thing we do every every time we're together. I'm going to count to three. We're going to declare it's been a great day because it's been a great day in the presence of God. It's been a great day getting into his word together, into this teaching together. And we hope it'll continue to be a great day as we go to walk in his goodness and mercy. So on the count of three, you're welcome to join me and declare it's been a great day. You ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day and a great week. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.